Good morning, Joy Church. Hey, everybody. Man, what a great time in the presence of the Lord. You know, I feel like God shows up and moves every Sunday, but there's something a little different in the ha, in the atmosphere. Ha, when uh, the ducks win. Come on. And the beavers eke out a victory as well. We'll give little brother uh, some kudos. No, there wasn't as much cheering for that, but somebody goes, you know, I'm disappointed because it was John. You know, yesterday the Huskies didn't lose. So there isn't, you know, there's still room for victory to happen, but what a great day in the presence of the Lord. What a great day to be together. Man, would you just uh, give somebody a, a, like a fist bump? Don't be weird. If you don't know him, just be like, I'll just wave, but fist bump. Say, hey, you're looking good today, smelling good. Is that, is that new perfume? Is that new cologne? Don't sniff somebody. Don't be weird, but just, you know, just be cool. Hey, we have a great honor and opportunity this morning to hear from not only my physical, natural parents were related by birth. Uh, my, my parents, Steve and Kim Schmelzer, are here to, to share with us in this series, but um, they're also the, the father and mother of our movement and of our, of our spiritual family, and so you can adopt them as your parents. And this is the mom that I talk about almost every Sunday, making pasta. How many of you know? How many of you are like desperate for that recipe and that food, you know, because of how I talk about it on Sunday? It's always the second service people because the hungrier I get, the more the anointing comes upon me to talk about pasta and spaghetti. My dad doesn't have many recipes you'd care to know. He can do like a, you know, a, a, a sloppy joe. And uh, he's good. He's a good barbecue man, you know. He's not great, but he's good. You know, he's, he's there's, <laughs> there's room to grow. No, he's great. He's great. Um, but I want to I wanna just say a couple things, uh, you know, in all seriousness. My parents have been incredible natural parents, but beyond that, the, the level of spiritual uh, parents that they are, just raising up generations uh, of, of leaders uh, that my parents are finishing up, which they might speak of, but finishing up 40 years of pastoral ministry. They planted, yeah, give them a hand. They're transitioning the church uh, in Medford in, in March of next year. And uh, if anybody wants to come down and party, I'm sure they're invited on that night to come down and party for that transition. But 40 years of ministry with integrity, 40 years of ministry with anointing, 40 years of ministry with, with, uh, with joy. Uh, you know, that's, that's my goal as a pastor. You know, Bethany and I, we're not here to be the big show. We're not here to be flashy. We just want to wanna exist. Come on, we want to be faithful with integrity and just love and serve. And so my parents have modeled that. That is our, our heritage, and, and it's an honor and a joy to get to hear from them today. And they're also going to be sharing on a really near and dear topic to my heart and to their hearts, talking about uh, as we've, we've, uh, uh, the, the sacredness of relationships as it relates to parenting, raising up godly kids. How many of you want to hear from uh, them about this area of raising up godly children? And maybe you're, you're like, well, my kids are already grown. Uh, they're gone, but you can still be a spiritual parent. And you know what? As my dad is fond of saying, the parenting does not stop. I am 30 years old, and my dad is still, I'm 38. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm in my late 30s now. And, uh, and the Lord is, is uh, working in my life. I'm, I'm fitter, smarter, trimmer, more powerful, more masculine, less beard. I got a mustache now in my late 30s. After the Ducks one, I can't shave it. It's got to happen. I got to keep with it, right? But anyways... Um, uh, I'm still being raised. My dad's still, still raising me. My mom's still pouring into our lives and parenting us. And so that parenting thing does not stop. Hey, would you guys uh, just give them a round of applause? We're going to welcome up. They're going to share with us today. Talk about pasta. Pasta. He said, talk about pasta. How many of you love pasta? 
I almost, well, I didn't almost lose my marriage, but I wasn't very compassionate with my husband. He was, he'd had some heart issues, which I was very sad about. I was really wanting to keep him alive. But when they started talking about not having pasta anymore, yeah, it was a little, no. We're driving home from our Seventh-day Adventist doctor who said meat sauce and pasta have to go. And Kim was in tears. And I asked her, what's wrong? She said, boy, am I going to miss you. <clears throat> I didn't say it exactly like that, but that was what was. I figured I'm going to find a way to make a leaner, meaner pasta. And then we are. But seriously, we're so happy to be here. We love uh, Joy, Eugene. We love your pastors. First, as our kids, we, we adore them um, for that and just because they're precious but as pastors, we are just so proud of them and the work they're building here. We're so proud of your church here. And yeah, give them a hand. They're raising three awesome, world-changing, beautiful grandchildren that we love. And, and raising a whole generation here of world changers. And I think as we share today on uh, being relatable as parents, we both have talked to each other a little bit about like, well, be careful, tone down. Because this is, this is probably one of our singular passions as, uh, as pastors, is in the area of raising children, natural children, adopted children, spiritual children. And I just want to preface this as we go into this, that you would come into this. Some of you, I really felt as we were worshiping and singing this song, that some of you may have children that are not serving God right now. And I just want to speak faith in your heart. It is never too late. And so you keep praying, you keep pouring in, but you have to do it with that passion and that vision of what God has called your children to be. And I think many times as we come in society, we see a different view of, of how children, who children are, how they're to be raised, how they're to be received. And God is passionate about raising children. And we, we actually called our message Raising Arrows because we're gonna, I'm going to read in a moment a scripture that gives you God's picture, God's vision for your children and how they're to be. And they're really meant to be those arrows that fling out into the, with a, a straight and true to the plan and purpose of God individually as they were created to be, as well as into the whole purpose of God to bring the kingdom of God. Amen? As we were singing about heaven touching earth. Amen? And how heaven touches earth is not through some kind of cosmic, mysterious thing. It's through people. It's through you and I, spirit-filled, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the love of God that come and say, we're going to bring Jesus. And so that's what we're coming to say. I did listen to the message last week. And Pastor Jake talked about fighting with his siblings. As his mother, I can tell you that was accurate. Um, <clears throat> there was a little bit of, we had uh, Jake and Natalie. Gino and Johnny, not so much, but the first two, it's like having two, so, so easy. The first two, it's like having two firstborns, any of you that have a boy and a girl that are close in age. Anything Jake did, Natalie wanted to do as well. If he got a spanking, she wanted a spanking. If he... And so as a mom, one of the worst things for me, I, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm kind of like a mama bear. I love to feed them and love them and nurture them. And the, the discipline part wasn't my favorite, but it had to happen. And it would make me very sad. And I would always feel like I had overdone it. And sometimes I'd call, I, just, I think I was just too hard on the children today. And I think I found out later the kids would sort of laugh in their room. But one of the times I remember we would... Um, we were, we were, I, I, had, I felt like I'd been too hard on them, and I gathered them together, and I just kind of crying. We, I go, we just love each other so much, and, you know, and I loved them so much. I don't know if they loved each other so much at that moment, but uh, it, was, it was always a challenge. And I, but I had to keep in the forefront of my mind that spirit of what 
God said about raising kids. And I want to read two Psalms to you, Psalms 127 and 128, that I think really give us a snapshot into God's heart for how he wants us to relate to our children, his vision, his purpose. And as you may know, these are two Psalms from the Psalms of Ascent. These were literally songs that the, the Jewish people would sing or you know, speak kind of poetically as they were going up to Jerusalem to the feast. And I thought about this. This was one of the things that was on their heart and mind. It was their families. Is God going to build my house? How am I going to relate to my kids? And listen to God's picture here. You can read uh, along with me. You don't have to read out loud. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning to late at night. That's for all the mamas. Anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift. Everybody say gift. Children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. Steve always says, if you have a quiver full, you're quivering from the, the joy of all those children. But how joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. And when it goes on right into Psalms 128, how joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous, healthy, young olive trees as they sit around your table eating pasta with olive oil to dip. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren, I've added, and great-grandchildren. I want to live a long time. May Israel have peace. May you have peace. Wow. Let that settle in your heart. That is God's picture for our families, our natural children, our spiritual children, our grandchildren. The former president of Herbert Hoover said this, children are our most valuable resource. Our most valuable resource. And Jesus modeled this so beautifully. He took the children in his arms. This is one of my favorite pictures of Jesus. He took the children in his arms. He placed his hands on them. And what did he do? He blessed them. That's from Mark 10, 16. God is passionate. I want you to hear that. He is passionate about the next generation. He is passionate with fervor and fire about your children, about your inheritance. That is what? That's your inheritance. We're not going to take our sofas to heaven. We're not going to take our car to heaven. We're not going to take our things to heaven. But guess who we're, we want to take to heaven with us? That next generation. Our children, our grandchildren. We want them to be those arrows. And so Steve is going to talk right now. Kind of a picture of two families, two decisions that were made in the raising and the relating of children. Right. Well, in heaven, I understand we'll speak Spanish because it's an easier language. We'll drive German cars, and Kim says we'll be eating Italian food. So <laughs> it'll be a wonderful place. Uh, this morning, I'd like to talk about a tale of two families uh, the Bible is great as one of the means of teaching is contrast. 
And so you'll see that there are different contrasts in the Bible, like contrasting Mount Zion with Mount Sinai. You know, I set before you life and death, choose life that you may live. And so God, I, I believe, speaks binary. Everything with God is yes and no. And, 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 and so when we look at these extremes of two families, I do want to put out that compassion component that you may have some, some children or a child that's a prodigal, and I want you to know that, <clears throat> that God only had one son, and, and, and he lost him for a while. So you can't blame everything that goes on uh, in children's lives to their parents. But there is a component that is definitely ours. And I believe our goal as parents and grandparents is to create a healthy environment where good things can happen. And, and, and that's what coaching does is, you know, the, the team has to play on the field. But the coach creates an atmosphere of training where good things can happen. And yesterday we were uh, really happy with, uh, you know, our Oregon Ducks. And, and I'm a platypus, so I root for the Beavers, too. It's a good day in Oregon sports. And uh, we root for the Ducks and whoever plays the Huskies. That's who we root for. <laughs> but looking at two families, the first family is the family of Abraham. In Genesis 18:17. It says this, and, and following, um, it says, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may... Now, sometimes at my age, I can't read well. Uh, that he may suggest... Oh, no, that he may whine, that he may lament, that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. The fulfillment of the destiny of God always comes through obedient people. And so, you know, as parents and, and grandees, uh, grandparents, uh, being a grandparent is God's thank you. Having grandchildren is God's thank you for not killing your children. And, uh, and so, so mama, uh, you know, loved him so much, didn't choke out little mean Jake. Without his beard, he looks just about like he did when he was 16, except with an actual mustache that wasn't using mascara. And, uh, <laughs> and this is the challenge in our society. No one, no one wants to take responsibility to command. You know, if you read the Bible and you actually ask Christians to just believe the Bible, you're considered legalistic. No, legalism is adding to Scripture. It's not asking that Scriptures be complied. And so Abraham was able to have a long-term prophetic destiny that's playing out even here. He's considered the father of the faithful. And Galatians 3 says that through Jesus Christ, we are uh, offspring or heirs uh, of, of Abraham. Or we're his offspring and we're heirs according to the promise. So think about this, that God 
worked with Abraham in order that he may command his children. And uh, I can honestly say that uh, before, we would have never had one child if we thought it was a 50-50 chance. Well, you know, you never know. They might serve the Baal or they might serve Jehovah. No, it was a Joshua spirit. That's right. That, I mean, you've got the jump on them. The little crumb crunchers are in your arms, you know. You, you, you don't have to have them watching bad videos. You, you have control of the TV. You can be in the house of the Lord. You can be involved in raising your kids in the nurture and admonition of God. And so this thing about us being victims, you know, well, I hope my kids choose right. You know, I just really just, we just never thought it would go the other way. And we did have compliant children. They did love God. And so there's uh, some serendipity that happened uh, that was not Kim and I at all. It was just that... Jake longed to do right, and, and Natalie longs to do right, longed and longs, and Gino and Johnny and now our, our foster son, George. And so the other contrast is Eli. In 1 Samuel 3, 11 through 14, we're going to see God basically saying, I hate this family. Okay. In Spanish, escúchame, por favor, listen to me. I just can't think of, of a rejection that would ever be worse than having God say, your family sucks. <laughs> and you'll find out there was only one small difference between Abraham and Eli. The verses say this, Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. That isn't his pad. That isn't his, his crib. It's not talking about where he dwelt. Your house is... You know, I'm visiting the house of Jacob Schmelzer. And, and he is offspring of the house of Steve Schmelzer. And then forefathers, and spiritual forefathers, Reg Lazel, Dick Iverson, T.L. Osborne. There's, there's spiritual dads, there's physical dads. But every, every family, God wants your family to be a thousand generations. Yeah. Yes. Every decision that you make should, should be made with at least three, if not more, generations yeah. in mind. That's right. Don't get started what you can't sustain. Yeah. Don't be creeping around looking at pornography thinking that it's not going to affect your family. Mm-hmm. It's going to affect you. It's going to affect your household. Right. Hidden sin still permeates the atmosphere of your house. Right. So this thing is like if I want straight arrows... I need to be a trustworthy bow. That's right. I need to be a straight arrow myself. You can't produce what you ain't. And so now what we're seeing is God is saying, I'm going to cause Israel's ears to tingle because concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows. Because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. 
And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. When you look at Eli, he had, he had sons and, and Eli was the high priest. God actually used Eli to prophesy to Hannah. God was honoring the office, but the man was destroying the office. You know, how many of you live in a house, apartment, or some other kind of habitation? Or even a tent? We all do. I want to tell you something. When you leave here, that's your temple. When, when you leave here, the next church you go to is your home. And I'm not going to have people eating dope in one of my rooms. Even if I'm telling them not to. Because Eli was a great suggester. You know, he told his boys they were, seducing, they were seducing women at the altar. They were getting in there and the sacrifices and taking a meat hook and, and, and grabbing the offerings before they were actually presented to God. They were terrible, and this high priest knew it, and he tolerated it to the point that, that two or three people, including Samuel, prophesied about the fall of the house of Eli. And when Eli actually heard it, he, he, he basically said, well, let the Lord's will be done. I will tell you something. If my wife said she was going to leave me and she was heading for Jackson County Airport, you would see a man that wouldn't care who saw me as I'm falling on my face, I'm crying, I'm holding her by the ankles and saying, please don't leave me, baby, I'm a moron. <laughs> and she'd be going, mm-hmm. We love each other so much. Now, if that's what I would do because of my love for my wife, what would you and I do if we heard, you're a disgrace? Yeah. I mean, you would think there would be some kind of a, a penitence, some kind of an adjustment. Okay. It's a good thing that service is short because I feel like George of the Jungle and I could take a vine and swing. There's a lot of things that we do. Many of us our age don't understand the connection between pornography and cell phones. And, I, and, 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 and I'm screaming and yelling in Medford about people, why in the name of the Lord are you giving a 12-year-old a cell phone? And then, and, and then it gets from dumb to dumber, the replies. This is, see, Jake's got the goodness part of Kim because this is the naughtiness that I think shows up from time to time right here. Okay, now it gets dumber from there. Well, that way they can go to the mall and call home. Really? The number one place for child stalkers, for serial adulterers? You're going to send your kids alone with the mall thinking that they're going to be safe because they got a cell phone? Hello? And so things that weren't in our generations, the Leave it to Beaver, you know, circa 1973 graduation for me, still got my, my tassel in my car, you know, hold on to the glory days. Kids take cell phones, they take naked pictures of themselves. They do sexting. They've got hidden programs that, that mask their online use. 
Let me tell you something. A cell phone is a gateway to the kingdom of hell and the kingdom of light. And most of the time, when you give it to a juvenile and let them be with neighborhood people, it's not being used for the kingdom of God. So we made a rule that you, you didn't get a cell phone until you could drive. And so we, we, we made it replete with some restrictions. That's what you do when you want to restrain. And I'm telling you, parents, without getting a prophecy that, that many, many, many of us are way too soft on the enforcement. And, 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 and uh, the uh, having drug addict kids stay in. You got four kids and you let the chief drug, drug addict stay in the house because you don't want them on the street. Guess what? You're going to have a couple more join them. And then as your reward for being a bad parent, you'll be a grandparent taken hostage by the person that can't raise their own children. And then you're going to get real old and real tired and be trying to raise your grandchildren. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to be a prophet of gloom, but has anyone been to America recently? I'm only talking about what's going on in our streets. And it doesn't matter if you're from Ashland, Oregon, which is a small town, or Lowell, or Eugene, or Junction City, or Cottage Grove. This is what we face in this society. And, and it was corrupt in the time of Abraham, but Abraham didn't party with Lot down in Sodom and Gomorrah. He kept his, his kids um, uh, together. I better tag your it, because I'm just out of control. You, my precious. Yeah, I think you can see there's a passion. And there's, you know, there are practical things, even the things that Steve's talking about. And I want to give you just a few, a few things that as we're, we're making and building this kind of family. Let me just tell you this. You can build a godly family. But it takes choice, and it takes, it takes uh, intention and intentionality. And I wanted to share a couple things with you. Here's some things that matter in raising your kids. <clears throat> Words matter. What you speak over them, what you speak around them, what the kind of environment. That's why Steve's talking about being careful of those tools that we give them that would allow words to come in and thoughts into their mind that are foreign and they're not going to form them into those arrows that God's called them to be. Here's God's words about our children. Honor, heritage, blessing, arrows. Those are words of life. Those are words of purpose. And as we raised our kids, we were intentional in thinking about the purpose and plan of God. And that's the next thing that matters. Purpose matters. You have to have that sense. You know, people ask us sometimes, and I thought about it, when raising our kids, what, what, did, what was like one of the main things I did and that we did? You know what it was? We had a picture in our mind. It's like sometimes I would look. We had a, a target that we were aiming for, and that target was to have children that loved God more than they loved this world, children that found the purpose of God and his word was hid in their heart, and they hit the mark that they were literally created and formed to hit. And so that picture was there. And so the good days and the bad days, because parenting is not easy. Having those relationships <clears throat> nurtured with your kids is not a piece of cake. But when you have that picture and you have that purpose ahead of you, you're moving forward and that causes that relationship to be beautiful. And that's what Abraham-like parents do. And I love this, planning matters. 
You got to put some planning into it. You got to think about your kids. You have to think about when they're children and they're infants and when they're in their toddler years and when they're in their sevens and eighth years and their preteens and their teens and their post teens and their young adult years. And even as children are grown and they're, they're released and raising their children, your prayers and your energy doesn't stop. And you've planned for that. You've, you've had them because they're those little fruitful olive trees and there's a purpose and plan. I said this about our kids. I said we raise them the same with the same values, the same heart for God, but we also raise them different because we raised each of them looking at their individual call. Jake and Natalie and Gino and Johnny and now George, our foster son, are all unique and different. And so value, we wanted them to be the same and we related to them with the same love and the same care. But the way we parented them and the, the direction that we had them go in their education and in their hobbies and in their, you know, their music lessons or their sports or whatever area that we prayed and we said, God, what is the manner of life for this child? And as we did that, we directed them. And here's some things that, we, that were so important. We nurtured. You have to tend and guard. There's that tender part of parenting. And I can tell you, you know, we were fierce, but we were also tender to guard and to nurture you nourish them. What are you feeding them? What, what kind of, I'm not talking about pasta, even though that's a pretty great food. I'm talking about, like Steve said, what, what are the, what's the media that you're allowing into their life? Where's their education coming from? Who are their friends? Those are all things, and it can be complicated, and that's why it's a prayer. God, help us. Every day we pray to help us in parenting. And this part, no, I like things to have an N, and so the N is in there, and no, even though the K, since the K is silent, you have to prophetically parent. And just praying for you, I just, I just encourage you. Do you know that God loves your children more than you do? And he will speak into your life, and he will give you kind of that blueprint, that prophetic blueprint for your children. And can I tell you, after uh, raising kids and watching them grow up, and most of them are now adults, it is so cool to see that the blueprint that God gave us is the blueprint they're walking out. There is nothing greater than seeing that. And that comes, and God will give that to you. And what's the result? The blessing and favor and fruitfulness of God, those beautiful pictures. I encourage you to read Psalms 127 and 28 and say, God, get that picture in my mind. That's what you have for my family. And it's, it's such a beautiful thing. So here's some takeaways, and then Steve's going to pray for you. What is your view of your children? As you've heard us read these scriptures and talk about it, when you think about your children, what are the words that come to your mind? Does it match God's? If not, guess who needs to win? God's view, God's blueprint. Which family do you want? I think it's a pretty easy decision. I don't really think Eli's end of his family is one any of us in this room would want. But let me tell you, if you don't make a decision to be Abraham's, because in the good day, pretty easy to be an Abraham. It's in those tough days when, you're, when there's a wrestling for control and lead. So make that decision. And then the last thing, are you ready to invest in your children, in their natural life, in their spiritual life? It will be the greatest investment that you will ever make into having that beautiful relationship with your kids. And for Steve and I, it is nothing, there's nothing greater than we'll be together and that picture, you know, for us it's the family table, whether it's a holiday or a special time, when all of us, our children and grandchildren are around that table, we're eating, we're enjoying one another, and we're, we're, we're rejoicing in the lives that God has given us, not without pain, not without struggle, 
but beautiful. And I feel like that fruitful, that fruitful vine in the center of the house and watching our little olive trees. And I see them as arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior. And now <clears throat> it is the greatest joy of our life to watch our natural children and our spiritual children being launched into the purpose and plan of God. And that's our heart for you. That's your pastor's heart for you. And uh, so that's our, that's our prayer as you relate to your children. Amen. Numbers chapter 6, 22 and following, And the Lord said to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Lord, my heart yearns for Eugene. My heart yearns for this family at Eugene Christian, excuse me, Joy Church, Eugene. Thank you, God. Thank you for Pastor Jake and Bethany. Thank you for the leaders that are gathered around. And I pray that every family would be lifted up and blessed. Lord, I pray that we would leave any connection to the house of Eli, and we would run to the house of Abraham. Bless your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Good job. Man, that was, that was really good. You know, as Judah plays, I just kind of want to take some time and uh, we're going we're gonna to give an opportunity to, I'm going to sit down on these nice chairs. This seems, oh, that's nice and comfortable. We're going to give an opportunity to, uh, to give your, your life to Christ today. I know every week there's somebody that comes to, to church seeking God. Maybe you don't even know that you want Jesus, but you know that what you have is not leading to life and not good. And we're going to give an opportunity for that. But I just felt as, as they were finishing today, that this is an area that I think the Lord wants to minister to us in. We don't want to just hear truth and just absorb it. And I mean, we had some incredible truth, some incredible philosophy of parenting, some incredible uh, teaching from the word, and some very practical steps that are really incredible. The nurture, the know, the nourish, those are really good. But I feel like there's also some, some areas where there needs to be a spiritual breakthrough as parents, where we feel that freedom and that victory in our spirit to know that God is giving you permission to parent your children and to raise them up. God is giving you permission even to go to your adult children and say, hey, um, maybe we didn't always talk about these things, but we're going to start talking about them right now. And so I'd like if you would just, as Judah plays, and, and uh, I'm just going to sing a little bit. We're just going to worship, but we just want to sit in the presence of the Lord. If you could just lift up your hands and just receive. I believe the Lord wants to just do something uh, in our spirits today. So we're going to sit in his presence for a moment. Yes, Jesus, worship you today. You are so good, what a beautiful Father. You are so good, what a beautiful friend. And you take us, you lead us, you show us the way. Let your spirit rest upon us. 
Your people as we wait on you, Lord. You, Lord. And let a root of righteousness be established in our hearts with our children around the table. We invite you in. We welcome you, Lord. We welcome you, Lord. Come and have your way. Have your way in us. Thank you, God. You are our Father. Even when you taught us how to pray, Jesus, you said, pray this way. Our Father, thank you, Lord, that you rescue us from loneliness from isolation, and you set us into family. And at the center of your heart and your plan is family, Lord. Your church is your family. We are called sons and daughters of God. And Lord, that pattern and that model and that template is meant to be reflected, not just in our church, not just in our groups, but in our physical, tangible families, that those Monday and Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights and Thursday nights are meant to look like the kingdom of God reflected even in the husband and the wife and their kids. And Lord, I pray that your people, we would be seen as those that, that hold on to our children and, and they walk in, our, our, walk in your ways, Lord, that we're not like the world. It's not just exactly the same, but that families that are outside of the kingdom of God and don't know you can look and see, man, I want that for my family. I want that love. I want that grace. I want that peace. I want that, that respect and honor, that love. I want that environment that that would even be an evangelistic and gospel message that is preached so loudly through the families of Joy Church, not even with words, but with those family tables and that heritage of honor and blessing. Lord, I thank you. And God, I pray right now a release of freedom and permission for every parent in this place to do what was taught today, to command their family, not in ego, not in arrogance, not in brutality, but with the love and the nurture, the challenge and the nurture of God, the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and that we would see Joy Church be a place where children are raised up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. They are those straight arrows fired from true bows to do great damage to the kingdom of darkness and bring great joy for the kingdom of light. God, I I pray for for everybody in this place. Lord, I I lift up every uh, person here today whose heart is broken today because of of a child, whether young or old, who's departed from your way, Lord, and I pray for for, for healing, and I pray for uh, grace, and I pray for a new renewed sense of strength and victory that the battle's not over and that you're still moving. Lord, we've seen so many prodigals come back, Lord, at Joy Church, and we want to see in the days to come hundreds and thousands of prodigals coming back, drug addiction broken, sexual addiction broken, relationships restored between parents and children. Thank you, Lord. You're turning the hearts of fathers to their sons and sons to their fathers and mothers. God, you're, you're doing something fresh and new here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give a shout of praise and thank the Lord today? Hallelujah. <clears throat> See, I have a gift to make our services go long, even when the guest speakers finish on time. And it's, you know, it's appreciated, I know, but... We're going to finish up today. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes, you know, this is last but certainly not least. We give an opportunity every Sunday for people to start a relationship with Jesus. You know, I I love in the Bible when Jesus is walking along the shores of the Lake of Galilee and he's calling these fishermen, common men. 
saying, hey, come and follow me. And they weren't qualified. They weren't, uh, they weren't prepared. They weren't, it wasn't like they had, had been in the school of the rabbi and these were the up-and-comers and Jesus was going and picking. He was just calling normal people that he wanted and saying, come and follow me. And that same call goes out to you today. Jesus is inviting you to come and follow him, to become a student of his. But that's not all he's inviting you to. He's inviting you to receive what he did for you at the cross, where he gave his life, his blood was shed, to pay for your sins and mine so that we could be made right with God. And so to be a Christian is to do a few things. It's one, to choose and say, in my heart, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to believe that he is the Son of God, that he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And I'm going to make a commitment with my life, not just in words only or in name only, but I'm going to give my life to follow this Savior and this Lord. And in that process, we don't know. I can't tell you, well, this is exactly when it happens or how it happens. I don't know the mechanics. I just know the miracle is evident that when somebody makes a decision to follow Jesus, he responds to that faith and he saves you and he changes you from the inside out and he invites you on this incredible adventure of being a follower of Jesus. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor Jake, I want to start that journey. I want to respond in faith. Just raise your hand so I can see. Just lift it up. Be bold. I'm not going to call you out and embarrass you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Awesome. Just lift it up. Anybody else in this place, lift it up so I can see. And we're going to pray together and then Kayla's going to come up in just a moment and she'll explain how to take some next steps. All right. Let's pray this together, all of us here. Dear Jesus, I confess my sin to you. I know that I've not lived up to your standard. But I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be right with God. Thank you for saving me. I give you my heart. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen.